morning and welcome to The Skinny for Friday, May 5th. I'm your co-host, Mitch Perry, reporter of the Fort of Phoenix, back in studio after being in Tallahassee for the last two months. Um, and I'm here with my colleagues, of course, Ray Roa and Ben Montgomery. Ben, great job over the last few weeks. Hey, thanks, when the, ben. Both ben and I, or Ray and I, were out of the studio. Hey, Thank thanks. You. Welcome back, Mitch. Glad to have you in. Yeah, it's really good to be back. I got driven yesterday afternoon uh, and just watched, watching live on the Florida Channel right now. Officially, the signing die has happened. The session has just ended literally moments ago. And we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't even know where to begin, but but first, uh, Ray, you know, let's talk a little personal life here. So you were in California, my whole, uh, my whole state, uh, in the last couple of weeks. I was. I uh, did a couple of days in San Francisco. My wife ran the uh, Big Sur Marathon, and uh, it was her first marathon, so she PR'd in it. I saw uh, two-time NBA champion Chris Bosch. He ran the race. Hey. Um, it was pretty cool, and I, I fell in love with Highway 1 and that part of the country. I can see why Jack Kerouac was able to remember it so vividly when he wrote about it from that Orlando hotel room. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. And it was cool that Ben held it down here. I know that we uh, got some great shows on. Spaceship was on there. and um, But it's good to be back. Um, did you drink and, any port uh, in honor of Kerouac? I, did, I didn't drink any port. We did some Steinbeck stuff and we were staying in Monterey on Cannery Row. So I got, you know, it was nice and romantic um, in that sense. But, but Mitch... Before you get into uh, what happened in the session, from the outside, it feels like a grind. And I know that you're like super healthy, you run a lot, and you look good here today. What does it feel like for you to go through that and, and come out of that and the stress of covering that every day and, and coming in and out of the chambers, running into these people that you're writing about? Yeah, it's it's really intense. I mean, the whole thing is so, you know, oh, so 60 days, They and there's a lot, there's so much happening, and there's so many bills that uh, you're trying to cover. And again, you know, I'm a, and our staff is a little short, uh, you know, whatever we left lost one of our colleagues who was writing about the education stuff, which was such a big thing on its own. So you just try to stay on top of it. The night, the next night, you're looking at where the bills are going to be up tomorrow and maybe even start pre-writing some of that stuff because, you know, when you're watching the committee hearings and then the vote happens, you've got some of that written already so you can move on to other things. So it is a lot. There's no question. It's, it was fun for me because I love government uh, and, I, and I'm not cynical enough. I, I, bu- I bumped into a colleague, I think it was two weeks ago, when I run a, a course in Tallahassee who, um, who's been there for a you know, decade. And he was very cynical about the whole thing. And he's really he was just really down on the Republican legislature in terms of bowing down to Governor Ron DeSantis. And he said, oh, it used to be like Christmas Day for me, like covering the session. And now, you know, I just I, I'm not into it. And, you know, I don't I, I don't cover it every year. I um, I usually go up there every year for a week or two. Last time I covered the whole thing was with the Florida Phoenix in 2019. I did cover it every day, you know, almost every day this year. And it, yeah, it's, it's it, for everybody, for the reporters, for the, the lobbyists who were like so key and everything. And obviously for the lo- lawmakers. And I was saying to you, talking about Hillsborough County uh, D- Republican Danny Alvarez, I, I talked to him early on the session. who was, you know, he was a, a freshman and he was like, man, they got me going all the time because they have to research all this stuff. They're, they're going in these committees with all these different bills that you want to be prepared for to know what you're talking about because in the case of these lawmakers, they have a lot of responsibility. They have a lot of power. Uh, the problem, obviously, with a supermajority is that you don't have to pay attention to a lot of stuff in a way if the, the, the leadership is, we're going to make this bill, we're going to make it sure it goes through. And so, I mean, obviously, do, the people who are sponsoring the bills have to know their stuff because they're the ones up there taking the heat, getting questions asked of them. Uh, and and but you're really impressed by the minority in many cases who who really prepare and you know make 
great arguments, but they're on the losing side. They're not going to win. But yeah, let's talk about it. And, you know, by the way, the session, I'm sorry, I just want to say that I was covering this thing, and I know this is important for our folks in Pinellas County, the short-term vacation rentals. I think that bill did not happen. I, I tweeted this out an hour and a half ago because the Senate said they were not going to take the House bill. Then some people were saying to me, oh, the House looks like they may take it up. This is a big deal, folks, because in places like Indian Rocks Beach and Reddington Beach and all those beach communities here in our area, this short-term vacation rental issue is a real big deal because the concern is that the locals can't aren't given enough controls to regulate you know, people partying a lot and doing all those things. And anyway, that was one of the bills I was following a lot of. And I think it didn't happen, but don't quote me on it now because I was driving over here. I don't know what happened there. But there's a lot of bills we want to talk about. Uh, and I was going to ask Mitch before yeah. we get into the nitty gritty, just one follow up question to this. Are, what, what would surprise people who have never been a part of the legislative process, who have never seen it up close and who don't necessarily pay attention to the ins and outs? Uh, some of these uh, occasionally take on the, the sort of the feel of a charade, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but what would but what would set what would you know interest? Mr. Yeah. And Mrs. Well, I, 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 yeah, I mentioned this a moment ago off the air, and that is so you have these debates, and when you're watching the Florida Channel, you just see the camera, especially on the on the House or Senate floor, you'll see the the you know, lawmaker who's talking right now, whether they're mentioning talking about their bill or they're questioning the bill or throwing a, a talk about an amendment to the bill. And that's all you see. What you don't see, especially in the case of the Republicans and sometimes the Democrats too, is those people aren't even sitting down at their desk, okay, when there's like they're supposed to be debating this particular bill. They're out talking to call. In fact, many times the House Speaker, not Renner, but the other guy who was doing it, who was kind of funny actually, and he would he would admonish uh, the Republicans when the Democrats were trying to speak up like Pay attention. Go into the bubble, as they say. You know, go in the other room to talk. Let this person, you know, communicate because it's not good form. But if yeah, the camera was moving around, you'd be stunned to see how many people aren't paying attention because, in many ways, the vote is already baked in with those these super majorities. Republicans, you know, the Democrats can throw up all these amendments, and many of them, or some of them, could be substantive and very and real, and maybe they should get adopted, even though they're not going to stop the overall bill from happening. They can't. They don't have the numbers. But um, that's a charade. And that's disturbing, frankly, you know, because it's, it's it happens so often. It's not debate. It happens mm-hmm. so often. You just go like that's, you know, as a reporter, you go, that's just the way they do it. Like, no, that's not the way they should be doing it. You're only here this X amount of hours, this X amount of days. You're passing laws are going to affect a lot of people here. And and let's talk about that. And one of the things I do want to talk about to get into, and I want to encourage our listeners to, to contribute to the show. Um, maybe you've been paying attention to certain bills that we're going through or not. 813-239-9663, or you can emails at dj at wmnf.org. Uh, again, Mitch Perry with Ray Rowe and Ben Montgomery here on The Skinny talking about the legislative session. What I want to talk about is because there is an issue in this country. I don't know if there's a huge issue in Florida, and that's immigration, right? Because they passed the legislature a very major uh, anti-immigration, anti-illegal immigration bill that when you think about it, not my, my, my editor originally wrote that it's the most far-reaching in decades. And I'm like, no, you have to change the headline because, no, they've never done anything like this because tradition, uh, states don't usually do, do immigration. It's a federal law. That's right, the government. Now, the reason the bill sponsor said we needed this is because they wanted to make send a message to President Joe Biden that he's not doing enough at the border and that states like Florida and maybe other states need to pass these bills to get the attention. That's literally what Blaze and Golia, the Senate sponsor, said. But I do want to go over that because this could affect our listeners, and that includes folks who are undocumented right now, right? So if I can find this story here, I want to make sure to, uh, do I have it here? Um, 
but anyway, it, it, there's a lot of different things in there. One of them, of course, is that it, okay, E-Verify is in there now. They, they, the legislature for, and for the last few years have flirted with this. Um, a lot of businesses, agricultural businesses, you do, do not want this. This is, of course, is, you have to verify if your employee is actually a citizen or not. And they amended it slightly. So if you have less than 25 employees, you don't need to use you need to use the traditional I-9 form. But otherwise, you need to use E-Verify. Uh, and traditionally, again, business interests have, have told the legislature, don't do it, don't do it. So they don't do it. This year they did it because Ron DeSantis wanted it to happen. There's also a part in this that they kind of modified, which still is, makes it um, a felony, subject to a felony if you transport knowingly or willingly an undocumented immigrant into the state or out of the state of Florida. Previously, the bill said that if you were even driving through the state, which is probably much, people are much more vulnerable to that because you're, again, they're not going to pull you over for, well, hopefully not for looking like a Latino, but for like some other incident. And then you find out, oh, you're not a citizen, right? Um, so that might happen more on I-75, I-4, what have you, versus the, the Georgia-Florida borderline, which is where they say the law now happens if you're literally coming through there. Um, Okay, also, I believe there's between 16 and 19 states in the, sta- for, in the country that have, um, they do allow undocumented immigrants to have driver's licenses. Well, this bill says that we will not recognize those driver's licenses. So if we pull you over for some, you know, whatever, burned out taillight, and we see your license from the state of California, which says, you know, you're not in, I guess it does list that you're an undocumented immigrant there. Uh, that will not be taken. And I guess you could be pulled in for that dri- or cited certainly for not driving without a license. Um, I got a will question. Will also oh, require yeah. hospitals to ask people about Correct. their immigration status? Correct. And this is, people think this is going to have a chilling effect because it's going to deter folks from going into the hospital. We'll see about that. But now the bill sponsors insist that all they're trying to do is... Um, you, you, people only have to put their name down, okay? So what they're saying is that but they need, they're going to have a form when they fill out to go to the hospital, I guess it includes all of us now, and says, are you a U.S. citizen? I think it's going to say on there, because they want to track this so that they can see how much money they're spending on, uh, these are all for all hospitals that get Medicaid, you know, how much we're spending, you know, I think there's been statistics that show that already, but like to, to more verify that. But right, there's the chilling effect to that, that the, um, the, advocates for, uh, you know, immigrants say is, is going to prevent people from wanting to go to the hospital in the first place. So there's, and, and there's also uh, what, $12 million for Governor DeSantis for uh, transporting um, undocumented immigrants. You know, we go back to the Martha's Vineyard flight from last year, which of course was so bizarre because it took place in Texas to Massachusetts. Yeah. I, were these people coming to Florida? And, and we've, this legislature has given them $12 million more. I don't think we've done anything, by the way. There was such bad publicity after that incident happened last summer, right? It kind of blew up uh, in his face. Uh, but that is in there as well. So I think this is an important bill. But I also, I want to say this about immigration, which is we do have a real problem, by the way. You know, I mean, there have been more people that have come across, uh, uh, you know, undocumented in the last couple of years, over 2 million people. New York City, I was reading the other day, they're going to spend, Mayor Eric Adams says, uh, about a billion dollars on undocumented immigrants this year. So it affects other parts, you know, always it affects the border states, obviously, Arizona and Texas. Um, but, and again, I don't know how much it affects us in Florida. That's why I've always been suspicious of, I think it's a good issue, right? When Ron DeSantis came in in 2019, he ran against sanctuary cities and we really didn't have any. Okay. So that was kind of a, a bogus thing. But, um, 
but I think that there is, I, I think that the federal government really, and, and Joe Biden, I think, did put some more troops on the border, announced last week, showing that he's sensitive to this a little bit. I do think it's a problem in our country. I think we just get in these one, these arguments, these black and white arguments about it. And ultimately, it is a uh, an issue for Washington to handle. And, you know, I, I don't know if they really are. I don't know if this is the answer by any means. I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying that uh, I think it will do it's go it will do well with some of these um, uh, in these a lot of districts in Florida. Basically, this is not there might be some votes that Republicans may be hurt by that they voted on this session. I don't believe this is going to be one of them. Oh, but the story I want to tell people about the big news. Where is my notes here? I have a question about the yeah. farmer thing. Where you're pulling up your notes, and, and I would push back on on framing immigration as as a problem, and that's probably another thing. You know, it's an issue for sure. Uh, tell me about some of the testimony, or how much can you recall from like the Farm Workers Association um, up there when they were um, talking about this bill and how it affects uh, them and the ag industry. Yeah, um, I heard more from advocates. I didn't hear too much, you know, actually, Ray, from, from or when I was covering this from the business community, which I know is, again, I guess they don't show up. They, they talk, they have a lobbyist and they're like behind closed doors. Um, but again, I mean, they don't want to E-Verify. I mean, you know, that is something that I, I they, they, it's a, I think, an onerous regulation. And they, again, were able to, to modify it. It was going to be for all employers in the state, all private employers, every agency, every place you work at is going to be required not just to get a 9-9, but to ask. And then they, now they say it's only 25 employees or more. Um, well, the reason I say, Ray, in terms of it being a problem is that, you know, the open border, I mean, I think that we should know who people are in this country. And I think the problem is, right, when people are in the shadows because they don't want to be uh, deported, that's not good for us. And that's why, you know, obviously comprehensive reform is what is required, which we haven't attempted in a decade. And it seems like the, the, the you know, Washington, you have the folks who build a wall on one side and then the other side is, no, we don't want to do that. But what do we want to do? And now they're going to have this, what, Title 42 is going to expire in a couple of days, which has prevented X amount of people from coming over. I do think that there's something that I think a lot of people think that we just need to handle in a certain way. So the, the story I want to tell you guys about, though, uh, is about abortion. We all know we had the six-week abortion ban, but um, where's – I'm sorry, I have to bring this up. But, okay, what we heard today, uh, Politico reported this, is that there is going now to be a serious movement to put uh, an abortion – uh, measure on the ballot in 2024. We have seen this happen in other states in, uh, the last year. What was it Kansas? I think it was the first state that voted on this right after Roe v. Wade was struck down and the conservative state of Kansas voted against the measure. Um, this is going to, I can't even find out my notes. I'm just going to recall this, but, but basically there's a, I think it's Planned Parenthood is going to be behind this. They're going to put, you're going to need to put millions of dollars into this. But this is something that people, you know, who are very unhappy, obviously, about the six-week abortion bill, which, by the way, I still can't believe we did this, that the state of Florida did this. And, of course, it's not it's not happening yet. There's still the court, Supreme Court's going to address the 15-week ban in the next few weeks, actually. Um, I think Ron DeSantis has killed any chance he ever had of being president by signing that law a couple weeks ago at 11 o'clock at night. But this is big because, obviously, if there's going to be money behind an effort to uh, – I, I believe I read that it's they want to have this – viability of 24 weeks is what they would call for this, basically but what it had been, you know, until the 15-week ban last year. But if there's a serious effort for this, that could, you know, just obviously gin up support 
the 2022 election uh, nationally was a lot about abortion rights, not here in Florida. Uh, and we saw Democrats do better than they were expected to do. And I think that this could, um, you know, there's also going to be a, a potentially a recreational marijuana a constitutional amendment on the ballot. And uh, we'll see, you know, what happens with that in terms of getting you know, the 60 percent. But I think this is a big move that, that, that was announced uh, overnight. How notable is it that last month uh, a resolution was passed that would raise the threshold to pass constitutional amendments from 60 to 66.67 percent? Did that happen? That's what I'm reading here. It's uh, Florida House Committee passes resolution raising amendments to threshold to uh Okay, but Six. but I'm going to say you to you. I don't know if that actually. You're right. The House Committee passed that, but did the Senate? And I okay. don't. I don't. They don't. I don't think they did. Okay, let's but, check that. But yeah, you should. You can go and they they listed the House bill number there. Then you can go check the companion yeah. and go in the legislature. Okay, um, Mitch, yes, are, are we ready to? Can we talk about diversity in higher education and and uh, movement in that regard? Did you follow bills this session on that? Not as closely as, as others, my staff did, but let's talk about it, though, because these things did happen. Oh, by the way, oh, sorry, sorry, Ben, I just want to say this is, um, uh, Sean th- sent this to me. Okay, so the group is called Floridians Protecting F- uh, Freedom. They're going to hold a news conference in Tallahassee on Monday to begin a campaign to ha- pass a constitutional amendment supporting abortion rights, according to a news release. Um, so it didn't provide details, but it comes after lawmakers and DeSantis approved the six-week limit. Okay, so anyway, that's 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 the name of the group, and apparently they're going to be serious. They're going to be spending, you know, again to get a, an amendment on the ballot and get it through the Supreme. Well, getting through the Supreme Court's a certain, you know, the language has to get approved there. But you, to get the nearly nine hundred thousand signatures, you need millions of dollars in Florida. And I don't, but again, I don't know about that making it harder. I think we would have heard about that. Uh, yeah, it looks like it died. It died, it yeah. Died. And, that, and by the way, they've been trying to do that, that, that Rick Roth, that legislator's been trying to do that for many years. And it gets, you know, it gets a certain way far, but they ultimately say it's, that's nah, not that important because it's pretty hard to pass 60%. I mean, it's, it's even harder now to get a, a measure on the ballot. Like I said, that's the whole idea about this, this, this group that's going to try to get this abortion um, uh, constitutional amendment up there. You've got to have, you've got to have such uh, dollars, you know, um, it was, was it John Morgan, who's really the guy, uh, medical marijuana probably should have happened a lot earlier in Florida. It was never going to happen through the legislature. But the private movement to do that required somebody with, uh, you know, big bucks. And John Morgan filled that void uh, back in, I guess it was at 2016 when that did pass. So, again, if you're just tuning in right now, it's 1125 in the morning. I'm Mitch Perry from the Florida Phoenix. Go please read our stories up there on the Florida Phoenix with Ray Rowe of Creative Loafing, Ben Montgomery, uh, now independent journalist, Ben Montgomery. Uh, Ben, you were asking about the education stuff. Yeah. Uh, what do you know? Uh, uh, the legislature approved a couple of bills that are viewed as anti-LGBT, um, including measures that ban gender-affirming care for youth. And Yeah, that just happened right in the last couple of days. Make using a bathroom that doesn't align with one's sex assigned at birth as a misdemeanor, trespassing offense. Yeah, and the question about that is, Who's going to enforce that? I mean, how does that work? Literally, I mean, right? It's going to be somebody, maybe a parent, I guess, who's going to be who has a. I mean, I don't. That was about. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to hear from somebody, you know, in the local schools. I, I know that I know some school folks, and they talk to me about how, how these things are going to be enforced and the kids themselves and how it affects those kids. So, uh, the phone number here eight one three two three nine nine six six three emails at dj at wmnf dot org. Would like to hear um, some feedback from the listeners, maybe specifically. 
um, about how do schools uh, enforce these new uh, bathroom usage rules based on assigned gender at birth. So 813-239-9663. Mitch, sorry to cut you off there. No, no, it's all good. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of winging it here. Oh, the other thing I just want to talk about, and my story is going to be up soon on this. I was telling you guys before the on air. So there's another bill that passed last night that is going to target or basically say, uh, well, folks from seven countries of foreign countries of interest, sorry, uh, of of interest are um, are going to be how how do we describe it? Are going to be limited in like buying land in in the state of Florida, and it's really specifically going after folks from the People's Republic of China. And this is really, this is really, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not troubling to some. Uh, it got, it actually got a lot of Democratic votes last night uh, in both chambers. And uh, I wonder, again, What's I don't the fear want, here. What's the motivation for this? Yeah, I guess the motivation is it's, you know, a little bit of the, 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 um, the Cold War between China and the United States. And actually, I saw something that, that right now, okay, so Chinese nationals have bought um, you know, more land in recent years than they ever had before, but still really not that much. But there is concern, and there's many states, I think at least 11 states that are looking at legislation this year to regulate um, folks from certain countries from buying land next to, I guess not everywhere, but again, the, the bill would say next to um, military bases and next to quote unquote critical infrastructure, which can be like a, a power plant, a water plant, um, there's all types of uh, limitations in there. Lots of carve outs, like for people who, who are going the visa, visa process. Who also right, who have asked, asked for asylum. Um, but I would tell you, there was a committee meeting last month uh, where uh, roughly 100 Chinese Americans testified. And it was something that, you know, it was so out of the ordinary. You got all these other folks who are, you know, in fear, or whatever, whether certain groups who think the legislation is going to be really bad uh, for them. And this was like, whoa, what, what is this bill? I had no idea what was going on. And, uh, and yeah, these people, a lot of these folks who were up there were really very paranoid that it was going to lead to discrimination and or possible hate crimes. And what happened the other day, which I thought was very disturbing on the House floor, this, by the way, is a, 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 a bill that's sponsored by both a Republican and Democrat. Uh, and the Democrat, Waldron from Palm Beach County, so she talked about that committee meeting where there were um, those Chinese Americans who were testifying. And she said they were actually, she'd heard that they were actually bust in from Texas uh, from a group. And that sounded pretty wild. And I reached out and uh, to an attorney from the Orlando area who was there, uh, talked to her. And I have her, again, the story, I don't know if it's up on our site yet. It's going to come up a little later today. And she said, no, we, she said in her case, they came from, uh, there's 40 people who came from Orlando to Tallahassee to testify. And, um, you know, they came from different areas to drive to Orlando to go up to take the bus to Tallahassee. So, you know, it was a flat out lie. And she thought it was just really disgraceful that a legislator would say that on the floor. And I think that when you're dealing with a bill like this, which can be uh, very sensitive, obviously, to, to people who look like it is. It is, you know, again, they're saying it's because of national security, I guess, is the um, the aim here. And there's bills in Congress to look at this as well. So um, it's not unique to Florida, although Governor DeSantis was quoted yesterday as saying he wanted his bill to be stronger than what other states were doing. Texas, apparently, the Texas Senate recently passed something uh, along similar lines, but they, they're, I don't think they named the countries of interest where people are, need to be from. But um, you'll be hearing more about that.
You Trust talked me. about uh, you know some of the concerns about discrimination. I don't I don't want you to have to take off the lens of objectivity too much here, but um, in the testimony and in what you're hearing, how much did the issue of like xenophobia come up in in, in this, or have they framed it as truly a, a security concern? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I should go back and try to find that story I wrote when I wrote this because uh, in April because there yeah people were like really afraid. In fact, they had some kids up there. <laughs> testifying, and they were like, "We're, you know, I'm a U.S. citizen. Why, why, why won't you know? Why is this going to happen to us?" It was really, uh, and and the fact is, if this is not going to be the case, and it's not going to go target normal, you know, you know, folks from China uh, who are here in Florida now trying to make a better living, then they really need to um, clear that up. And I think that was a, the, the the fear by some Democrats, most notably. Uh, from Tampa here, Democratic leader Fentress uh, uh, Driscoll, who really thinks this is going to be subject to litigation, which, you know, a lot of these bills, frankly, are, whether ultimately they may get through. Um, Ron DeSantis has been sued a lot. Some yeah. of his bills he's done the last three years or so. This one probably will be as well. But yeah, I should I should try to find that stores for you. So, um, okay, I, again, let's reach out to our listeners right now. Uh, as I look right now, Governor DeSantis is actually uh, talking right now after the um, session is over and taking a... Um, Victory a, lap. Yes, he absolutely <laughs> I, is. I can't even see, hear the audio, and I'm just watching it, and I can hear his voice. Do we have a way to compare uh, numbers, uh, just statistics? How much legislation passed this session? It feels hot and heavy, like there was little resistance to any of this stuff, and, and build, new bills are being signed every day. Yeah, that's a good question. There is, but you know, I, I don't know the percentage. I know the majority, vast majority, didn't get through, but there's there a lot of high-profile ones. Oh, another one we can talk about. Like can we talk about guns? Well, how about death penalty? Because because we can go. You know, it's definitely permit was carried, which is earlier in the session. But there was two laws passed uh, or bills. Excuse me. Yeah, there are laws now. There will be laws after the governor signs up on the death penalty. We um, we're now going to have the lowest threshold to uh, sentence somebody to death if they're uh, subject to the death penalty. But if a jury finds removes the requirement of a unanimous twelve person jury. And uh, requires only eight uh, affirmative votes to put someone to death. The only to recommend to a judge correct, a sentence of death. Correct. Uh, and the only other state that does that right now is Alabama, which has a 10 to 2 split. For, now, Florida, just as recent as 2016, did have only a 7 to 5 split, believe it or not. We had really just a ma- bare majority could recommend the death penalty. Then there were Supreme Court decisions that changed that. And the legislature, I think it was in 17 or 18, made it unanimous. Uh, but this is all reaction to the Nicholas Cruz case in Parkland last uh, November, where the jury found. And it's so weird when you think about the Parkland case, because most of these mass shootings, the gunman usually isn't alive afterwards. He either kills himself or is killed by law enforcement. And so when it's a case where the, the gunman is still alive and then he's up for um, sentencing in that community, you know, people. People wanted him, you know, they didn't want, they wanted the death sentence. I mean, because, you know, many Democrats, again, voted for this bill in the legislature, certainly other ones from South Florida, like Lauren Book and, and others. Uh, and um, so nine jurors only, it was nine to three split in the Kurt Cruz case. And so now it will be eight. So they bring it out to eight. But the other one that's, I think, is, contra- well, maybe more controversial is they are now going up against the U.S. Supreme Court, which has ruled back in 2008 that you cannot, uh, you can really only execute somebody in this country if they've killed somebody else. You can't do it for other crimes. But we're going to try in Florida now to do it if you're a child rapist, which again is a heinous crime. And many people think 
and again, Democrats, some Democrats voted for this bill, but it's going to certainly, I would think, to be challenged because in 2008, U.S. Supreme Court rule, and, and, and everybody knows this, right? I mean, the, the, the bill sponsor and Governor DeSantis knows this. They're, they're, they're thinking is that it's a different court now, and the court that ruled then that thought that was appropriate, it, it, they would th- look at that differently now and, and doing something as, as horrible as uh, molesting a child. I think it's under 12, I believe, is the age. Uh, so that would require uh, you could execute somebody for that now with just eight jurors. Let me so, just throw out a couple of statistics yeah. here. Uh, according to death penalty info, number of executions since 1976 in Florida, 102. And number of innocent people freed from death row or falsely convicted people freed from death row, 30. So we're talking 30% uh, of, 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 of you know, that ratio it's versus the most ex- in the executions the most in the country. Yeah. Right, and critics of of, of the death penalty will you know will say that in some ways it's premeditated murder you know by the state and, and that does the death penalty make Floridians safer, right? You know, and what's what was the debate like on that? Like, are we safer because because of this of this new legislation that the government will that the governor will definitely well, sign? I, I would say even when Republican when it, when it came to the uh, death penalty, I think it was that Thad Altman said basically, I don't believe the death penalty acts as a, as a deterrent, but they, they basically, these lawmakers are admitting that they're so upset about what happened with Nicholas Cruz. They're basing it on one case. Really. I mean, that's which I don't know if that's good law. But uh, nevertheless, the reaction to that, we don't want to have the, we don't want to go have the community go through that again. I mean, I think there were other cases mentioned, to be fair. It wasn't just Cruz. That's the high profile one that sure. everybody knows about and really what instigated this. Um, but, oh, by the way, on rhetoric out there. So I, you, I don't know if you guys were calling this one, this lawmaker, uh, was it Webster Barnaby? He called... Uh, uh, transgender. Oh my folks, gosh! Uh, that was insane. Him. Yeah, and, and nothing happened to him in terms of like being rebuked by the uh, I missed speaker. This. Do you do you want to go in with this, Mitch? It's an absolutely an, an insanity. You have a Florida lawmaker referring to tra- transgender people as, as mutants, uh, invoking the X men like on the like on the on the floor. Yeah, on, from, yeah, uh, from the, I, just sitting there live on a mic. I, mean, I think it kind of happened in the afternoon one day, and it was absolutely shocking uh, to watch. I remember being like like on a hot mic or, or no, he no, the floor. no, like he said, your turn to vote and this go ahead. And he, had, he was responding to testimony from from. From, uh, from people who gave public testimony. And uh, yeah, it's uh, my jaw is dropped because as you said, there was no rebuke, no, no. And no. he was asked, he was asked as recently as this week, House Speaker Paul Renner, like, and, and you know what Renner said? Oh, he's been talked to. Oh, okay then. That, oh, that, that's, that makes everything okay. And then you had this week, I don't have the lawmaker. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was just kind of a, it went big on uh, social media. There was another Republican on the House floor this week that he was he said, quote, our terrorist enemies hate homosexuals more than we do. Yeah, and, that's a slip right there, huh? And and, oh, wow. and the Speaker Renner said yesterday or two days ago, oh, that he was tired. He was uh, he was getting too ahead of himself. Uh, that was just a mistake. And probably was because I'm sure he didn't mean it to say it. I don't know. Who knows what's the guy's in the heart. But if you saw there was a lawmaker, a Democrat, Kelly Skidmore, was um, if, if you see the video of this. Uh, and she, her eyes pop out. She can't believe the guy is saying this. And and these things happened this year on the floor. And there was, you know, there was, look, they don't have to be like, uh, you know, kicked out or anything like, like happened in Tennessee. But you would think that, I don't know, something it would happen to show that that's not uh, uh, appropriate. And why is that? Is, is that because law? 
lawmakers are scared to, of constituents who do vote on these hard culture things. I mean, not once in the 37 minutes of, of this show have we talked about, you know, the, the insurance bill at all or, or the, you know, homeowners insurance going up and, and what the legislature is doing there because or not doing because right. Like we get so obsessed as in, in the context of this session with these culture type things. Are are the lawmakers just Renner afraid of of constituents who will rebuke him uh, if if he asks Barnaby to you know that give serious discipline there? Oh, another thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't get it at all. Uh, by the way, so another thing we should talk about, or just for a moment anyway, the, the legislature passed a measure that effectively lets DeSantis and other senior government officials conceal their travel. Uh, by exempting them from records from the Florida's uh, public disclosure laws. Now, what's really kind of egregious about this, I would dare say, is that, okay, so they say it's for security reasons. We don't want the governor, you know, and we know he's going to be traveling a lot, right, in the coming months here. Um, but they don't want to reveal his past travel. There is no good argument against why we should not know that. There's no security problem now. You know, this is the public is paying for this. Um, these are our public records laws that, you know, as, one of the, as reporters we know is kind of one of the good things here in Florida in terms of, you know, and every year they do chip away a little more in terms of like uh, limiting access. But this is outrageous, okay? I mean, and, and this is something that you did see. I saw my uh, colleagues in the press corps really try to hammer um, Renner and Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo trying to justify this. Why are you doing this? I know you really like the governor and want to defer to him, but it's not about you individuals. This is, again, about taxpayers. It's about taxpayer money paying for somebody to travel around the country. Yeah, you know, and like where to go? And, we, and it's the state plane, okay? Or go to Israel. Well, okay, now that is something else. And I wrote about this, uh, by the way, uh, Miami Herald got a bigger uh, hit on this. I wrote this. I wrote the story about Ron DeSantis going to Israel in advance, and I talked to some folks about it because, you know, it was, I thought it was very interesting. But Enterprise Florida, who I think still is existing now because they were trying to get rid of it this session, and they've been trying to for a while. So apparently Enterprise Florida, which is the uh, private public agency, uh, did was paying for it. However, we haven't gotten a breakdown about that. And then we've learned that when Ron DeSantis went to Israel in 2019 with the cabinet uh, and that Enterprise Florida was supposedly paying for all of that, they didn't pay for all of it. Uh, News Service of Florida came out and rep- found out that there was um, maybe DeSantis's old team, but you know, all, all the whole cabinet went there. Nikki Freed, uh, Ashley Moody, they sent a lot of people there in 2019, and that a, a certain percentage of it was paid for by taxpayers. So we all need to stay on top of this in terms of his travel um, to to Europe or to United Kingdom, Israel, Japan. Was it South Korea last week that Ron went to on his, uh, you know, showing his for- trying to get his foreign policy gravitas their gravitas, excuse me, uh, there as he goes up. And I guess we should segue now to talking about Ron DeSantis here. And by the way, if you're just tuning in right now, you're listening to The Skinny here on WMNF. I'm Mitch Perry with Ray Rowe and Ben Montgomery. We're talking about the session, the Florida legislative session, which just ended about a, less than an hour ago, actually. Uh, I came in last night of being up there in Tallahassee. And by the way, I hope I get all my deposit back from my Airbnb up there. My cat, can I tell you, my cat, I was up there with my cat, Max, and, you know, he kind of nibbled at the, the, the weather stripping on the door. And so, I don't know. I'm kind of, you know, it's a, it was very expensive. And by the way, the, the rental crisis in the state of Florida. So, Tallahassee, it's pretty extreme, okay? I lived there, what, four, five, 2019. A place I rented there four years ago was 1000 bucks roughly. It, co- it cost $1,400 this time around. I didn't get it. I ended up getting another place. It cost me $1,800 a month for, well, 18 for two months. And then also the deposit was $1,800. 
Um, so, and that is something, oh, by the way, let's talk about that. They, of course, now rent control, which was barely hanging alive, died this session. You can no longer have rent control and you can no longer have uh, tenants bill of rights. Okay. Like St. Pete does, like I think Hillsborough and Pinellas do. Again, it's a little, it's gives tenants some, you know, some rights, but literally, right. Uh, if you can't get rent control, bill Got rid of that this year. That's gone. That's gone. Uh, there was also some other uh, local ordinance measures on, you know, again, preempting power from local communities. Uh, there was one on if if a somebody challenges, uh, well, it could be anybody, but it'd probably be an attorney. If a, if a community has a local ordinance, if Hillsborough County passes an ordinance, um, uh, it makes it much easier to challenge that legally and to stop that from actually happening. Uh, so, again, business interests, Getting, getting, getting in their way, um, and and I would love, you know, that is that is not controversial to say something like that. That that's happening. I mean, and getting rid of uh, tenants' bill of rights. Why? Why is that necessary? Th- those are not that far-reaching. What do they say? Things like landlords, you know, need to take Section Eight housing. What, there's certain things in there, um, but but that that they have the voices there, and and you have overwhelming majorities. You're going to get your way on a lot of this stuff. Again, what to say this did not get is everything he wants. And that's kind of more intriguing in a way. For example, in the immigration bill, something we wrote about a lot was they were going to try to repeal in-state tuition for undocumented immigrants, i.e. dreamers. And it was part of his original plan that he put out there. It was never in the bill. And I was, you know, t- we were trying to figure out. And I was told by Blaze and Gully, oh, it might be an education bill. It was all this drama throughout the session. And I did a story about these dreamers came up to Tallahassee and lobbied the lawmakers. It didn't happen. I don't know. Rick Scott came out against it immediately because Rick Scott signed it in a law in 2014. Um, but that didn't happen. That that bill he was going to try to have in the media to make it, you know, defamation right. laws. That went oh, did not happen. Uh, so there were a few things that were on his wish list that didn't happen. But again, the big ones, the abortion, the election. Well, we haven't talked about the election there's bill. Also, there, there, there's also a very big one. It's longstanding law in Florida that in order to run for another office, one must first resign their currently held office to do so. Uh, that's changed lately, Mitch. What happened? Yeah, they call it the repeal to run, uh, resign to run. run law. Excuse me. Uh, they repealed that. And apparently that's gone back and forth, right? When Charlie Crist was going to be, hoping to be the VP candidate in 20, 2008, they changed the law for Charlie Crist back then. I guess they changed it back. They were saying, we don't really need to do it. Constitutional scholars say, we don't need to do it. But then they did it anyway. Uh, and, of course, the um, GOP supported that. So, right, so Ron can run. And if he loses, which, you know, if you're a betting person, you might think that's going to happen, but he's still apparently going to go ahead with this. He has a nice, safe landing spot for the next three years. Uh, he's got going anywhere. If he doesn't make it to Washington, D.C., he can still be our governor. It's nice to hedge your bets in case you lose, huh? Well, it's also nice to uh, be able to uh, to use the various arms of the state government to, to campaign on your behalf, which is my fear here. Uh, we know that the the you know, Board of Education has become politicized, at least their press office has, and so has yes, the Department of Yes, you can talk firsthand about that. So has the Department You're, of By Health. the way, you were mentioned, by the way, uh, Ben Montgomery. I was in the press room the other day. I mentioned every day on the floor of the House. <laughs> there was a reporter, I think, I, I think I don't know, I, he's he's works for the New York Times now. He was talking to Lawrence Maurer of the Times, and there, I think they were talking about working with DeSantis's 
press people, and and I was you know overhearing, but but your name came up. You were spying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do we have a, we have a caller here actually? Is that? Oh no, we sound surprised, Mitch. I, well, I do because we haven't had any so far. Um, Eleven forty-five in the morning. But I, look, I, I hope we were educating, you know, informing listeners here. That's you know, I want to see thing. if we can squeeze in this conversation about the permitless carry. Oh okay, um, yeah, let's go yeah, back. Yeah, to that. yeah, yeah. It happened like eons ago. It was like you know yeah. a month ago. It seems like forever. Um, yeah, permitless carry. Uh, so that is now happening. Um, what are you guys' thoughts? It's kind of interesting. I mean, Ben's raised a couple of kids now. I have a three-year-old kid, and, um, you know, this goes back to some conversations I even had with my brother. He lives in San Diego, and uh, he said the worst part of it, he loves San Diego. Mitch, you know this. You know all the great things about San Diego. It's very close to Mexico, and he says the, only, the worst part about living in San Diego is that sometimes they have a curfew at night because of increased uh, potential for cartel activity um, down there, and then that can make him feel safe. Um, and he talked about, you know, he's getting married in October. He wants to start a family with his wife. Are they going to move back to Florida? And these are the kinds of things that they're worried about, like permitless carry mm-hmm. in a state. Do more guns on the street and make us safer? You know what I mean? And I don't want to get too anecdotal, but I don't know. It, it does kind of scare you. In well, the way, you like, know, guns if you're, don't if, scare me. If, if, you're, if you're looking electorally, we well know how many, like, you know, the state has got more Republican in the last few years. And maybe where it's going to become literally less Democratic because we hear concerns from the people in the LGBTQ community, from the teaching community, that they don't want to necessarily, you know, live or work here because of the stuff that's happening here. Again, that's anecdotal, you know, and, and, and you know, who knows? It's like people saying they want to leave America when George Bush got elected or Donald Trump. You know, we never, you know, see what those numbers are. But, but we know there's been tracking that we know, obviously, that's helped out. Uh, the GOP in terms of after the coronavirus and people moving to Florida, in many cases, bringing their uh, their Republican politics with them. By the way, I should say this. I was saying this before the show with all, you know, in Florida, I think it's fair to say we're a red state right now. But, you know, the party registration ain't that big of a difference right now. It's roughly three points. Uh, I believe it's 36.7 percent Republican, 33.4 Democrat and 30 percent NPA. So. You know, the idea being, I think if you can, uh, but, but look, the Democratic Party, I don't know. Well, I, this I, is something that happened outside of the, the session, but how much talk was there of the change in leadership for the Florida Democratic Party? Uh, well, this is what I was going to say, Ray, about that, is that it's May 5th, and we have a Senate race next year, and, you know, you can look in, if you people follow national politics, like, I think, uh, was it Colin Allred, I think his name is, he's running against Ted Cruz, that was a big announcement this week, that's not until November 2024, there is not... A Democrat at all who was announced they're going to run against Rick Scott next year. That's kind of crazy. This it's not that early in this in the in the in the time period. And there's actually a Republican who's announced he's running against Rick Scott, who's not really a serious candidate, I don't believe. But um, there's no Democrat. I wrote about this several months ago. Threw some names out. Maybe we'll hear some more now that the session is over. It, it, look, that person will be a definitive underdog, but they should not be, in my opinion. Rick Scott has won all three of his races by combined average of 1%. Okay, uh, is he that much better now? Well, the perception is he is, in ter- not in terms of like a better senator, but because like the state is so much more Republican now, he's, he's going to easily win re-election. That is absolutely the conventional wisdom right now in American politics about Rick Scott. But should it be? He's a guy that Joe Biden campaigned about literally when he came to Tampa talking about him, talking about sunsetting Social Security and Medicare. Uh, He is a man who tried to challenge Rick uh, uh, Mitch McConnell for the Senate leadership after the election and fell on his face, Uh, you know, and yet he's going to like, Get him Primrose Lane to to re-election next year. I mean, is that is that the state is this Democratic Party so desultory right now that that's the situation? 
I know. I don't know. You you could talk to chairperson, you know, Freed, and I think she has a different opinion on that, and it will be interesting to see. Um, but I'm just waiting the, for the candidate, though. That's the thing. I mean, they can tell you all the rhetoric they want. I mean, we have to have some live human being. It has been floated. Uh, I floated this in my story because people told me that about Andrew Warren being a potential candidate. I think we asked him uh, that when he was on, on the show, you know, what kind of ambitions does he have? But I think he's really, or what he says, I, is that he's very focused on, on this legislation. You know? Yeah. Oh, is that what you is, got, ben? The, the, the thing is, I, and I get that. At some point, though, because I, he was actually uh, the you know, uh, Circuit Court of Appeals, I think he was up there this week on that as case. So absolutely, that he was maintaining, I'm going to try to get my job back. But at some point, you know, and I forget about maybe running for Senate. How about running for his old job back? Yeah, I, I mean, just as personal, and this is, this is my view, uh, I believe that uh, former attorney Warren likes to be a public servant. So I do believe that he will run again. And I think we could hear it in his voice. I mean, Ben, you kind of broke him down in a way and asked him what it was like to, you know, not it's have not a job at, at, the, at the moment. And, and you could tell that he was carrying a lot of stuff and that, you know, this this was really weighing on him. So I do think that he will throw his uh, hat back in um, and run for office. Would he run against Rick Scott? Is that what he wants to do? I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask him again, but... Yeah, well, you know, and right, I, I, I've, I've said from the day that Ron DeSantis suspended him that I could, or the next day or whatever, you know, that, that I could see him running again because what, DeSantis is going to suspend him again if he, if he wins? I mean, he won pretty convincingly in 2020 by, I think, five, six points. Uh, and so, you know, he, he, I just worry about Andrew Warren. It's like, I hope we can financially hang, you know. I mean, he lost, he's not getting paid at all, right? I mean, so that is a consideration. But again, I, I mention him as a national figure now that he's emerged uh, and so you could bring in national money because it's going to take money obviously to win a U.S. Senate race and Rick Scott has his own uh, dollars. Rick Scott, Bill Nelson race at the time was one of the most expensive in, in 2018 was one of the most, oh by the way speaking of 2018 I don't know if you guys saw about Andrew Warren I uh, Andrew um, Gillum Gillum what happened yesterday? Yeah, uh, he's like after years and years and years of the federal government going after him, uh, he's not going to jail. Okay, now I know the federal government says they're going to appeal, and sure they will because they, they have to. They they you know lose face. They spend all this time and resources to bring him down. They didn't bring him down though. And I read this after uh, this is from the Tallahassee Democrat. After struggling to find common ground, jurors have determined that Andrew Gillum is not guilty of lying to the FBI while they deadlocked on the other charges. This uh, went on for days. Consensus has evaded the jury in the public corruption trial of Gillum and Sharon Letman Hicks. Saw the fifth day of deliberations Thursday at the federal courthouse in Tallahassee. Interesting. Yeah, and, and there was one juror that posted like a selfie on LinkedIn or something and talks about how they were deadlocked, and I think uh, they were reprimanded um, for that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, and and we talk about close races, Mitch. That race was really close, and a couple of Andrew points. left a lot of money on the table, right? And obviously, uh, Gillum was carrying a lot of things emotionally and in in his heart, yeah, in, into that that we didn't know about, and it's kind of it's a shame that he wasn't closeted in that sense, and, and that he had to carry that. But um, I don't know, I don't know if well, he can yeah, run again. I don't know about his political future, but I think more as yeah, as a human being, you know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's been and a real prosecutors have vowed to try again. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, this is a man who. Was, well, it's like 33,000 votes. I mean, could have been our, our governor. And maybe, you know, some of the things happened or didn't happen, you know, um, you know, since then. But the point is, is that he was a, you know, he was a big deal in 2018. Bernie Sanders came down here to Tampa to campaign with him. Uh, and um, and again, they, they, they put the full, re and it's, it's, the federal government usually wins these cases, you know, and that's why I say, and look what they're doing with the terrorism cases. I don't know if every one of these cases they have are great. I just saw one in the case of, um, 
of uh, who was the guy here in um, Jeremy Brown. I covered that trial. There was just there was just no way that he was going to. Uh, I don't know. It survived because the federal government has so many resources. Okay, we've got uh, Christina. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for your show. I just want to quickly say on air that, and I've said this to my most liberal friends. I'm I'm a I'm a staunch lifelong Democrat, and most of my friends are in the same philosophy. A few of them, um, though, regretted their vote for Andrew Gillum after various things that happened with Andrew Gillum. And I just want to say, and I've said this for the last four years, I stand by my vote 100% for Andrew Gillum, regardless of what happened. I believe and I know in my heart of hearts that if he had become our governor, we would not be in the same place we are today. Um, the war on teachers and students and LGBTQ plus and the economy and everything that's going with COVID, I just know it wouldn't have happened. And I don't believe Andrew Gillum, um, I don't believe what happened in the hotel room uh, would have even happened. Andrew Gillum, I think, was very grateful after that happened and made an announcement, a personal announcement, that he was in a very deep, dark depression after he longed the gubernatorial race. And I believe him. Oh, I do too. Yeah. I just wanted to say that. And I know not every single Democrat in Florida agrees with me or believes that, but I do. And I just wanted to share that. You You know, I think I think after that election, a lot of people just sort of tuned Gillum out and didn't pay attention. And, you know, I mean, his highest office before. Uh, running for governor was mayor of Tallahassee, right? Which is basically like a, a city council position. Right. I mean, it's not a strong mayor form of government, but right. just tells you again, even then, but he caught Tallahassee fire. is Florida's ninth largest city. For yeah, instance, but right? again, like, it tells you that even then he beat Grant, Grant Graham, he beat Phil Levine, he beat Jeff Green, he be, uh, you know, and people said that, um, uh, you know, anyway, Gwen Graham, if she had been elected, you know, she would have won. We don't know. He brought energy that I don't know if those other candidates could have brought in terms of young people and in terms of people of color. I thought we yeah. had Julie Jenkins on the phone uh, earlier, too. Was, oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it's Christina from no, it's, yeah, Christina. Oh, yeah, this is Christina. We appreciate the, the phone call. Thank you. Oh, by the way, so the Democrats have released a statement after the uh, signy die. I just do want to read you uh, Kelly Skidmore from Boca Raton. She says, this has been the session of protests. Over the past few months, the people of Florida have traveled to Tallahassee and raised their voices in opposition to the extreme Republican agenda and in support of Democratic proposals from abortion bans to bathroom monitors to criminalizing freedom of expression to denying health care to attacking dreamers to undermining teachers and hurting public schools. Floridians showed up in force to reject the culture war distractions and demand legitimate public policy solutions to the challenges truly plaguing Florida's families. With that extraordinary level of engagement, we can expect these harmful laws to impact the next election cycle. Okay, we've got uh, Dave on the line from Sarasota. Yeah, uh, thanks for your show. Um, I was just wondering if the uh, uh, Republicans got any new uh, voter suppression there was an election. There was an elections bill, Dave. Um, and the, I guess the biggest one that I heard the criticism from folks was uh, that there's really these incredible penalties on what they call third party voter uh, registration organizations, which, by the way, is, includes the, the Democratic and Republican Party. But anybody who like signs up people you know, to, to register to vote, if you turn in the registrations late, the penalties are very, very high. It, it basically could kick you out of business. And I think that was some of the biggest criticism. Also, on the voter registration cards, if you remember last August when DeSantis's election police force arrested those folks for voting illegally, um, some of those people said they had voter registration cards and they thought that was good enough to vote. And the state not taking any responsibility, so they're putting on those cards, it says, this does not say that you're eligible to vote. You need to find out on your own. 
Um, there's been other things in there, but there's nothing like on, on Dropbox and other things like that because they already did that in the last two sessions. There's always so much they can do. I guess they can continue. Democrats would say they make it more restricted to, to vote, but that, those are kind of the big ones. There, there was a lot in there, no question about that. Uh, it would place several new restrictions on voter registration groups, such as giving them less time to return voter yeah. registration forms to election officers, offices and higher fees. That's uh, reporting by WUSF. Yeah, no, that, that's like I said, that, yeah, that's that's the one of the big ones. There was, there was many provisions in there, but in terms of, uh, I think, requesting a vote-by-mail ballot, you have a little less time to request it. Uh, I think, it, but, but it, you know, the voting rights groups don't like it. Obviously, they don't like any of these bills, but those are the biggest criticisms of them. Okay, thank you. That's Senate Keep Bill 7050. Thank you, Dave. Mitch, let me ask you something here, oh, uh, here? about the cha-cha slide. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's up with that? Because I know that a lot of people who have been affected by all of this legislation kind of felt like it was a huge slap in the face. What are so, we talking about? Yeah, so Tuesday, yeah, morning, so, okay. Tuesday morning before the session, because I, I, I videoed it, so um, they were piping in some, like, uh, disco music. And, and a couple of lawmakers, I think it was Tracy Costa, Republican, she was, like, singing. And, and next thing you know... All these lawmakers, mostly female um, Democrats, I know Michelle Rayner was one of them. Um, they started, they started dancing, and they, they all started. It was really wild on the floor. It's like this is crazy. Like this state environment, and they're all getting down and and, and booging. And um, I, I record it, and I think to some it looks like you know Rome is burning, and you guys are partying. And so I know that Rayner Goolsby, I saw on Twitter get some hit hard, and she came back hard. And I and I would just say that uh, for the for the Democrats, I think it was a, a couple minutes of um, a little relaxation from what was a brutal uh, 60 days for them, again, on all these culture war issues and everything, especially uh, for, uh, like, like I said, you know, an out black woman like Michelle Rayner Goolsby, uh, who was very valiant in fighting for the values for many Floridians on the floor there. So I say give her a break, you know. But yeah, some people thought it, it was like, what are you guys doing? You know, what are you guys doing up there? All right, we're almost out of time. We've got about a minute left to go here. Um, anything else you want to say before uh, we call it an afternoon? No, I mean, it, the sheer volume of, of things happening here, how much did um, the discussion about how much money taxpayers are spending to defend DeSantis in lawsuits come up when you're up there? Because now the next thing we're going to see on, on TV is the governor signing a slate of legislation. And some of these, as you alluded to, will end up in a courtroom you know, what's that look like compared to other sessions in the past and, and how much? Well, he was at, they were asked about that. They wanted, they, they, Democrats would like to have a, a list here. Oh, because they, I think one bill they, they passed yesterday, they're putting extra money in for, well, actually, this is not about litigation, but, but more just for staff. And like, can we get a line item about like what that's for, you know? And like, no, I mean, they're not going to have that. So, yeah, there's a, it, again, over the fo following days and weeks, we'll be a lot hearing a lot more about a lot of these bills because, again, there was so much volume that even, you know, the best reporting teams can only cover so much of it when it happens. But then afterwards, you know, we can all look at that and, and, and uh, make evaluations on that. Okay. Hey, th hey uh, Mitch. Yes. Thanks for your hard work this, this session, man. We appreciate you keeping us informed. Hey, well, it's great to be back with you guys, and I look forward to doing this, you know, the rest of the spring and summer. And, uh We'll, have, we'll bring guests on and today. I think we just want to talk amongst ourselves and talk about this, but we'll best we have guests back next week and uh, try to keep the show as interesting. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you are listening to WMNF Tampa, 88.5 FM. Thank you so much for listening to The Skinny with Ben Montgomery, Ray Roa. I'm Mitch Perry. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. See you next week.